Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Over the past week, COVID policies in China have been evolving rapidly, almost by the day. Chinese Vice Premier Sun Chunlan, considered the central government's COVID policy Ta, said last week that uh, new measures will be implemented as the country faces a new situation, quote unquote. So what is the reaction from the World Health Organization? How deadly still is the virus? How can Chinese people protect themselves and what to brace for for China in the next weeks and months to come? I was able to be joined from Geneva, Switzerland via Zoom by Margaret Harris, a spokesperson for the WHO. Margaret, thank you very much for taking your time out to join us. So what is the World Health Organization reaction towards the recent developments, especially over the past week, uh, to the changing, to the adjustment that the Chinese government has made towards its COVID strategy? We welcome the change. Uh, we are happy to see the adjustment, which is very important, and to balance the needs to control the transmission of the virus with also the socioeconomic needs, the needs of the population, the needs to get on with society, but and also very importantly, the need to get your most vulnerable groups vaccinated. That's really critical. Indeed, it's never too late to, to, to balance and manage your um response. Now, every country has struggled with this. Every country has found uh, found it a difficult path, uh, both from the leadership, but also from the population. But the critical thing is to find ways to keep people able to keep your society able to keep going, as well as keep the virus at bay. And that's a real partnership. So you need to, for people themselves to understand what kind of protective measures they take while they're out and about, especially when they're in crowded places. And for those who manage, say, the closed spaces to look at ventilation, for instance, and make sure it's fully ventilated. Employers to look at how people can work in ways that are safer so that they're not massively crowded together. All these things have to be done as well. It's not simply a matter of one group being responsible for having to do everything. We all have to do it all to ensure that we get through this very difficult challenge this virus has has. Yeah. What what do you think is the most critical step at this moment? I mean, uh, there are various things people can do on different, you know, stakeholders. But what do you think is the most essential part? Well, the most essential part and what has really helped many um countries to open up and begin to function with a degree of normality it's we're still not in normal times let's be honest uh the most critical thing is getting your most vulnerable groups fully vaccinated and that means perfection 100% vaccinated in those groups and those are people over 60 those are people who are, have got underlying conditions that put them at high risk uh pregnant women for instance uh, pregnancy makes uh, both mother and baby at, at greater risk and um also people who are highly exposed that's healthcare workers now we're not seeing that perfection in any country yet it's a hard job but really the focus needs to be getting all those people vaccinated and if they had their primary vaccination more than uh, six months ago, looking at how to booster 
their immunity by giving them an extra dose because we know that the immunity, while very protective and very good and is, yes. has saved hundreds of thousands of lives, it does wane. Yeah. What about the Chinese-made vaccines? Because you hear this uh, comparison or or even, um, I don't know, criticism saying that the Chinese vaccines are not good, therefore China should uh, import vaccines from abroad or adopt mRNA vaccines instead of its domestically uh, developed vaccines, which are mostly inactivated, but of course also includes innovative vaccines such as those that can be inhaled. Uh, China is, by the way, boosting uh, vaccine rollout or uptake. So at this moment, what do you say to these kind of voices? So certainly we assessed a number of Chinese vac uh, made vaccines and they have met our standards. They have been um, given uh, emergency use listing and have been used effectively all around the world. Now, many countries do find a mix and match is, is quite a good approach. And so indeed authorities... What do you mean by consider. that? You know, so mix and match is, so if, say, for instance, you got two doses or, or one dose of one uh, type of vaccine, you could have a different vaccine um, as your booster. So, again, this is something that the authorities should be looking at all the science and looking at all the issues and looking at their population. But it's it's definitely something to consider. Definitely something to consider. You mean to to mix and match? Is that what you what you so, refer to indeed to look at what what you provide as a booster what's available what mm. seems to be working well with the population and it, it varies from age group to age group as well so when we look at the studies we see uh, and i'm not talking about any specific vaccine here but we see with some vaccines that they've got a a stronger response in some groups but not in other groups so again it is important Important to look at what's available, what will work in the different groups, and and to tailor it according to that. It's this 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 virus has really shown us that you don't just do one thing. You can't just use a blunt instrument. You really mm. need to look very carefully at what your particular context is and make your decisions accordingly. Well, you're talking about the nature of this virus at this particular stage. Help the general public understand exactly how dangerous is it? I don't mean it in a scientifically way, like how you know uh, deadly this virus is per se, but also given the level of immunity we already have in general, either by vaccination or by having been infected, how dangerous is this virus? To, to put it in a term that people can can understand? It still remains dangerous. To, to put it in terms that people can understand, it is still killing over 8,000 people. Last week, it killed 8,400 people. And those were deaths reported to us. We know that generally uh, the the we get under-reporting, so that it's killed more than 8,400 people. How about it now? How do you compare that with other, for instance, seasonal flus or, or, or other? Is it particularly bad compared to that or relatively on the same level? Because then you can get a better idea. Or is it comparable at all? It's still killing more people than seasonal flu. But I'm glad you raised that point because with COVID circulating and seasonal flu and we have seen a very early arrival of seasonal flu where seasonal flu is really knocking out many um, health services or putting enormous pressure on many health services in Europe and, and the USA 
And we've also got something called respiratory syncytial virus, which is circulating and causing enormous problems for our under fives and, and even adults as well are getting it. Uh, so uh, in one of the critical things is to try to get down all these respiratory viruses. And again, that's why the very simple measures like wearing the mask, not overcrowding indoors, paying attention to ventilation, those work for all respiratory viruses. So this Christmas, this 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 holiday period, we really need to be this winter period when people are yeah. really crowding together and we have lots of festivals where families get together. Yeah still pay attention to all those measures well of course but uh you know right now uh for those who have lived a winter or two of with this virus it's probably an easier matter but for the chinese general public who are just you know being exposed for this virus for the very first time uh how difficult is is the coming winter going to be and also winter is the season where you know seasonal flu is particularly prevalent so is it is it bad timing now are you worried about that so we're always concerned for any community that's going into winter, not because the the virus tend likes likes winter more than summer. It, it circulates no matter what the season, but the way we behave in winter is different. You know, we do crowd in more closely because it's cold outside. Uh, so in any society, we are concerned, but certainly if you don't have the protection, you haven't had the vaccination, then you are more at risk. So the critical thing is to really step up those vaccination levels, but also keep up the other measures and continue to do the surveillance to understand where the virus is, what particular communities it's in, because you may have to adjust according to a highly specific community. So right now you seem to have, look, a a continuous deadly virus and and a winter time where people uh, would have to you know stay indoor more than more than usual and how are the how are you going to talk to the audience talk to the the chinese general public that uh, the, the who is welcoming this move to loosen up at this moment so we're going to say to the general public, it's important to be able to move beyond very severe restrictions because it's no society can function like that easily for a very long time. We've all done it. We've all been through it. And it is a very, very difficult period. So now coming out is also a risky time. It's important not to think, yay, we'll run out and we'll forget everything. Now, I think Chinese people are very disciplined and very thoughtful. So they will understand that they need to still pay attention to wearing the mask. They still need to pay attention to the presence of the virus and the presence, as I said, of other respiratory viruses and take those precautions. So wearing of the mask, the trying not to have mass gatherings inside if at all possible if you are going to be indoors really pay attention to ventilation even if it's simply opening a window every 15 minutes i know that's difficult when it's cold but do it freshen up that air uh, how about hospitals i mean hospitals own risks are being squeezed because one thing there will be more people falling ill secondly there's a tendency to go to hospital whenever you have something however serious or people tend to think that they're in a very serious condition so uh what are some of the more practices that you you can recall that should be avoided and what's on a, what, what are some best practices that you can share with the the, the chinese experience 
Well, certainly, again, that what you mentioned, don't just rush to the hospital for any little thing. Do understand, first of all, that the hospitals are always under greater pressure in the wintertime because there are more of the respiratory diseases and also simply the cold and the more, more severe weather brings on other things like stroke and heart attack. So the, the health system is always under greater pressure during the winter months. Um, and also don't rush to sit in a waiting room for many hours. You're sharing a waiting room with other people who may well have um, infectious diseases that could be passed on to you. So it's better to try and get your diagnosis, get your test to understand what's going on out of hospital um, accessing more a primary care system rather than going to the big tertiary hospitals initially. We do find over and over again where people all rush to the hospital. That's actually a way to maybe in, not just increase the pressure on the hospital, but, but if you may end up with something that you didn't arrive with, you may end up some, with something else. Is there Pardon? a tip? Is there a good practice that you can share that would prevent people from going to the hospital just to find out about things? Or just yes, you know, indeed. To, to be reassured. Can you be tested? And so if you think you've got COVID, for instance, um, is have you got access? Make sure you've got access to rapid antigen tests. So you can do that test at home. Um, I, I, I'm not familiar with the Chinese medical system, but if you have a local doctor, a local nurse, a local clinic that you can, or even call by telephone if you have a, a telephone system and go through your symptoms in many countries what has worked very well is to have that telephone or, or computer access so that the doctor can see you by the screen can talk to you and can assess whether you need to come in physically or whether whatever your issues are can be managed uh, mm. more remotely so mm. setting up all those systems can really help take the pressure off and make sure that the people who need to be in hospital are only are the only ones who go to hospital so um potentially i mean right now there is a lot of guessing going on some people are talking about you know just by uh, scaling up the numbers in some other places that they would say uh look china will have a million deaths or, or even more um are you concerned that you know if we if we let up too much if not, jobs are not do too well there will be a substantive uh, a high number of uh, deaths occurring in the next weeks, if not months? So what we have seen is where societies have been able to vaccinate the most vulnerable, that you can, uh, you definitely will prevent severe illness and death. So the people we've seen who are still sadly dying, the vast majority that are people who have not been vaccinated or have not been fully vaccinated. So they may have been vaccinated a year ago, but they didn't get the booster. Um, and those are people usually in the very, very high risk, in the high risk groups as well. So this is why you really need to be strategic and be insist that you get the appropriate vaccination. Um, if everybody does follow all the measures, the, the protective measures, and um, works together, you should actually be able to prevent the severe cases. You will get more transmission. More people will get ill. Omicron is a highly transmissible virus. But when people, we found, when it goes through a population with high levels of vaccination, it is not producing the severity that we saw 
you know, at the beginning of this outbreak, yeah. and China experienced the beginning. Right. Um, right. So I can understand there's a lot of pain there, uh, but it is a different situation now. What about long COVID or any potential after um, symptoms? Um, right now, we are still seeing seemingly conflicting reports some are saying you know a million or more or great proportion of the, the workforce are rendered incapable because of covid but others report uh just having a few days of headache and and sore throat and and then it's over nothing happens you know and they even get a certain level of immunity so what is the 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 the, the situation with the long covid how much worry should uh, should be given there Long COVID is a very big concern because this really means that the virus has entered your body and is continuing to cause problems in different organs. So as I mentioned before, it's a respiratory virus. It comes in through your mouth and nose, but it can go beyond your lungs and start to cause a lot of different problems, particularly what people call the brain fog. Um, if it starts to affect your brain, it can make you uh, unable to remember things, not concentrate well. And the long COVID cases we're seeing, we now have uh, uh, built up quite a body of expertise. There's been a lot of work um, on this. They, uh, the, the long COVID cases we have seen have can happen in anyone at any age. We're seeing it's often in younger people. It may well be in women. Uh, and it does not relate to the severity of the illness. Now, there's some emerging evidence that having does or it does not. It, it does, does not. Does does it not. does not. So you may have had a mild illness you mm. initially and so, then find so, you're simply not recovering. So should China brace for a lot of uh, long COVID cases? That That is also concerning. The, China should concerning. certainly be looking for long COVID cases and um, Chinese medical authorities and, the, and the, the health system, the primary care system should be learning what the symptoms are and looking at the work overseas to see what works, what doesn't work, how to help people, how to diagnose people. Employers also should be uh, uh, sympathetic. You know, these are not people just saying, oh, I want more time off work. They are really have had their lives changed by being infected by this disease. Now, the other thing I can say, it sounds like all I ever talk about is vaccination, but there's some emerging evidence that being vaccinated can help prevent that virus from will help you clear the virus from your body before it can go on to cause these other problems. <clears throat> All right. Let's let's zoom out a little bit and look at the situation at large. I mean, before the winter started, we had the WHO warning people that, uh, um, you know, governments will have blood on their hands if they, you know, just drop whatever measures they were taking. Uh, but now we're also seeing massive gatherings, for instance, uh, during the World Cup, you know, people. And that's one of the things that really made a lot of people curious here in China. So and countries were relaxing their measures we have to admit although some uh, are tightening it again as uh, as we enter winter so um exactly where are we in terms of this pandemic are we um almost there or do we just simply not know which we have to wait and see no, we are still very much in the pandemic we actually saw numbers were plateauing and then increased slightly last week. And we're getting reports of very large numbers of cases from all regions of the world, but particularly from uh, the Americas, 
from Europe and also from what we call the Western Pacific. China is a part of that. The countries which were reporting the largest number of cases ranged from Japan to France to the United States of America. So we're still seeing huge ongoing outbreaks around the world. And that is the definition of a pandemic. Uh, now, is that because yeah. of the winter factor that we talked about, or because of the relax relaxation, or the or the added the, the the fatigue that people are having, so they relax their measures? It I couldn't pin it down on any one thing. Now, of course, Europe and um, the the Americas is def are definitely going in to the northern hemisphere winter, but we know Australia's had a very long and large outbreak, not necessarily, you know, also during their summer. Uh, they are now coming out of their, their, their large wave is reducing, but we see um, large outbreaks around the world, regardless of whether it's winter or summer. Although, as I said, winter tends to increase the behaviors that the virus loves. Uh, so it's really a mixture, but indeed it is concerning and very concerning that you can be in many uh, populations now where people seem to think it's all over. I have to say, I have my mask in my pocket at all times. And when I go into a crowded space here in Europe, I'm in Switzerland and France, I immediately put my mask on and sometimes I'm the only person in the place with it. I'm glad to see that the cashiers in the supermarket are wearing their masks so that they are protected from exposure. But there is still a little bit too much relaxation. We need to be serious about this virus. It can still cause a lot of trouble. And we're mm -hmm. also concerned that countries, many governments are not doing the surveillance, the monitoring, the testing to understand what the level of circulation is. And that's not a matter of just knowing what the circulation is. Every time they test get a positive, we need them to send it for or need to send quite a lot of them for genetic sequencing so that we can understand whether or not a new variant is forming. Just a couple of days ago, the head of the, your organization um, talked about if uh, if people drop their alertness, the, the COVID-19 could cause it could cause deadly new variants to emerge. I mean, that sounds a little bit scary as well, especially when China is just, you know, adopting a, a kind of a soft loosening up of uh, restrictions. Is it all happening at the wrong time? I mean, what about this new variant possibility? Help us understand the context of it. So we've been waiting and watching very carefully for, well, always actually, but particularly since we start to see the new variants emerge at the end of the first year of this pandemic, we saw four big ones, one of them being the Delta, which caused big waves around the world. And then Omicron emerged a year ago, almost a year ago to this day. Um, and we have been tracking all of them. Now, the concern is if you've got high levels of the virus circulating, that gives it an opportunity to explore people's immune system and find better ways to create a new, fitter version of itself. Uh, so that's one of the reasons, of course, to make efforts to reduce the transmission by taking our personal measures and so not giving it a chance to jump from yeah. person to person, particularly for people who may get very ill with it. If their immune systems are very weak, it can last in their bodies for a long time. And that gives the virus lots of opportunity to reinvent itself. Of course, uh, of 
Finally, uh, a little bit, a little bit of a scientific note, because you know um, there is this discussion that has been going on here on the internet about uh, what's the chances of this virus becoming more dangerous as it mutates uh, versus the chance that it becomes less dangerous. Um, what what is your knowledge telling you? Um, because sometimes it's 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 dangerous in a way the ability to cause harm to the human body but you also take into consideration the ability the human body to react to it um but how dangerous the virus is per se you know regardless of the the, the immune system it is you know what i'm talking about i mean this yes. is definitely could be could be compared it could be relative so how, how do you understand this this um random mutation mutatability of a virus is that something to be concerned with so this this discussion has been going on a long time and the evolutionary biologists have pointed out that the viruses that have successfully learned to live with us are the ones that don't cause severe disease or death that they they manage well they you know cause a few days of illness and then move on um and and those viruses tend to be the ones we don't um take measures against necessarily or they they basically live almost harmoniously. I wouldn't say I ever like a virus, but they develop a means of surviving in the population and continuing because they don't kill us. So it, it, the worst thing a virus can do is kill everybody off very quickly because it's it's run out of hosts. Mm. So, you know, it's self-defeating. But uh, what we do know is that try when you've got large, large numbers of, of people infected, that gives the virus lots and lots of chances to alter itself and i think i mentioned just a bit earlier uh we've got we're tracking 500 different sons and daughters of omicron so it's 500 different sub variants of omicron it's been able to change itself but it hasn't changed itself so drastically that it's different from omicron but we are again following all this to understand what direction is it going in is it going in a milder direction is it going in a more severe direction but we rely very much on systems around the world on on all governments all health authorities to keep up the testing and the monitoring so that we can understand and, and the genetic sequencing so we can understand where mm. the virus is going mm. Well, certainly uh, it's going to be a challenging period of time in China, and I hope the Chinese government and the World Health Organization and other international counterparts are continuously exchanging opinions, best practices, so that uh, we can help end the pandemic, not just for China, but uh, for the world as well. Indeed we are, and, and I'd just like to say I thank everyone all the people, all the scientists, all the health authorities, all the government authorities, all the people, all the community who are working so hard to beat this virus. Yeah, yeah, indeed. We'll keep uh, we'll keep that up. And thank you very much, Margaret Harris, a spokesperson for the World Health Organization, for having shared with us your reaction, of course, on behalf of the organization. Thank you very much. With that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Li Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Li Xin in Beijing. You've got the point. <laughs>